Today we start off with an uh, excerpt from the book by Thomas Merton, No Man is an Island. Chapter 7, Being and Doing. We'll read an excerpt from there. Self-contemplation leads to the most terrible despair. The despair of a God that hates himself to death. This is the ultimate perversion of man who was made in the image and likeness of the true God, who was made to love eternally and perfectly an infinite good. A good, note this well, which he was to find dwelling within himself. In order to find God in ourselves, we must stop looking in ourselves, stop checking and verifying ourselves in the mirror of our own futility and be content to be in him and to do whatever he wills according to our limitations, judging our acts not in the light of our own illusions, but in the light of his reality, which is all around us in the things and people we live with. Living the Proverbs Day by Day for November 15th. Today's lesson from Proverbs is Proverbs chapter 2, verse 2. Incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. This devotional is entitled, The Voice of God. And our next scripture is Isaiah 41, verse 1. Be silent before me. Sometimes God speaks loudly and clearly. More often, he speaks in a quiet voice, and if you are wise, you will be listening carefully when he does. To do so, you must carve out quiet moments each day to study his word and sense his direction. Can you quiet yourself long enough to listen to your conscience are you attuned to the subtle guidance of your intuition? Are you willing to pray sincerely and then to wait quietly for God's response? Hopefully so. Usually God refrains from sending his messages on stone tablets or city billboards. More often, he communicates in subtler ways. If you sincerely desire to hear his voice, you must listen carefully, and you must do so in the silent corners of your quiet, willing heart. Streams in the Desert for November 15th. We have two scriptures here that top this. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 and 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. They coincide with each other. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. We were under great pressure. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. So that Christ's power may rest on me. God allowed the crisis in Jacob's life at Peniel to totally surround him until he ultimately came to the point of making an earnest, 
and humble appeal to God himself. That night, he wrestled with God and literally came to the place where he could take hold of him as never before. And through his narrow brush with danger, Jacob's faith and knowledge was expanded, and his power to live a new and victorious life was born. The Lord had to force David through the discipline of many long and painful years to learn of the almighty power and faithfulness of his God. Through those difficult years, he also grew in his knowledge of faith and godliness, which were indispensable principles for his glorious career as the king of Israel. Nothing but the most dangerous circumstances in which Paul was constantly placed could have could ever have taught him, and thus the church through him the full meaning of the great promise of God he learned to claim. From 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, My grace is sufficient for you, and nothing but the great trials and dangers we have experienced would ever have led some of us to know him as we do, to trust him as we have, and to draw from him the great measure of his grace so indispensable during our times of greatest need. Difficulties and obstacles are God's challenges to our faith. When we are confronted with hindrances that block our path of service, we are to recognize them as vessels for faith and then to fill them with the fullness and complete sufficiency of Jesus. As we move forward in faith, simply and fully trusting him, we may be tested. Sometimes we may have to wait and realize that, as James chapter 1, verse 4 says, perseverance must finish its work. But ultimately, we will surely find that the stone rolled away and the Lord himself waiting to bestow a double blessing on us for our time of testing. Holiness for November 15th. This devotion is entitled Propitiation. What's that? And our scripture comes from 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. He is the propitiation for our sins. The Bible uses a strange word to describe what Christ did for us when he drank the cup of God's wrath in our place. Propitiation. What does propitiation mean? I believe that the word exhausted forcefully captures the essence of Jesus' work of propitiation. Jesus exhausted the wrath of God. He bore the full, unmitigated brunt of it. God's wrath against sin was unleashed in all its fury on his beloved Son. He held nothing back. Isaiah foretold this. We esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 through 5. 
The italicized words describe the pouring out of God's wrath on his son. During those awful hours, when Jesus hung on the cross, the cup of God's wrath was turned upside down. Christ exhausted God's wrath. For all who trust in him, there is nothing more in the cup. It is empty. At the end of those terrible hours, Jesus cried out, It is finished. This was not a cry of relief, but one of triumph. He had accomplished what he came to do, to save his people from the wrath of God, and he did this by consuming it in his own person. That's why Paul could write of our being saved from God's wrath through him, and say that God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 5 verse 9 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 9. All who trust in Jesus need never fear the possibility of experiencing the wrath of God. It was exhausted on his son as he stood in our place bearing the guilt of our sin. The gospel for real life.